Turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 9 and 1 Timothy and, or 2 Timothy. Acts 9 uh, and then 1 and 2 Timothy. Uh, we're continuing with our series, Heaven's Heroes. Everyone say Heaven's Heroes. Last week we looked at who? Stephen. Now that's a hero. I'm telling you, he's the first martyr in the church and uh, what a life he lived. And we looked at his lasting legacy that he left. And today we're going to take a small glimpse. And I say a small one because man, when you think of Paul, the apostle and all the influence and all the things that he wrote and all the uh, travels that he made in his missionary journeys and the, and the impact he made around the world, uh, of his time, uh, it's just unbelievable. And so it was kind of hard for me, uh, in the beginning to kind of come up with a, 40-minute and now about a 30-minute message uh, to share with you and come up with something uh, impacting that you could take home with you. But I think it's going to work today. Uh, everybody say, I'm ready, Pastor Sam. I think it's going to work. I think you're going to get something that'll make a difference in your life. And now the challenge is this, to get everything I need to say said in such a way uh, that you're out of here before one o'clock. I, I think I can make that. I'll do my best. Jan, will you pray for me that I won't go too far, too long? Okay, good. Uh, and so here we go. Let's pray and ask God to allow us to get a hold and help allow me to unpack what I have and download what I have to you today. Father, thank you for the word of God. May we communicate it clearly and may we all listen to it carefully and be able to impart not only, uh, uh, I'll not only be able to impart to these, but they'll be able to take what they've heard and learn and share it with others in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, God bless you today. We're going to talk about Paul the Apostle. And here's, here's kind of the angle that I'm looking at and the transformation of his life. Here it is. It's Paul transformed from fervent persecutor of the faith to fervent preacher of the faith. He went from a persecutor to a preacher. I'm telling you, that was a miraculous transformation, and it happened rather quickly. Within days or weeks, Paul the Apostle, who was a fervent persecutor of the church, became a fervent, passionate preacher and leader in the church. And so that's what I want to look at today. In fact, I'm not going to, I want you to do this today. I want you, here's some suggested reading for you. Uh, it's Acts chapter nine. That's his conversion. We're going to look at that here in just a little bit where he was converted on the road to Damascus. We're going to look at that and draw some, some real life lessons from that in just a moment. Uh, but then, uh, then just read on and, and read some other in fact, First Thessalonians. Does it say First Thessalonians? Yeah, First Thessalonians. Uh, that's the first letter he wrote after he was, and it was years after he was born again. But that's the first letter. And when you read First Thessalonians, man, and it's the first letter he wrote. Man, this guy. Uh, we kind of think of Paul as pretty hard nosed. Man, he was a he was a loving, caring, compassionate. In fact, he said this. He even. I'm going to say this kind of. Uh, with, he even kind of semi got in, in touch with his feminine side. He said, you know what? When we came to you, we were like a mother to you. We just, I love you so much. Not just like a dad, but he wanted to better describe how he felt. I just felt like a mother to you folks. And, and so it's a great letter. And so he's a praying for them. 
And then read First and Second Timothy this week because those are his last letters. And so today what I'm going to do, I'm going to contrast, uh, uh, really it's a comparison of his conversion and some things he, he, he did right uh, in responding to the revelation of Jesus in his life. And then we'll fast forward uh, between each one to the last letters of his life and see how, how he applied that in his pastoral oversight and fatherly influence to his son in the faith, Timothy. You get it? He responded away in his conversion that he took throughout his life, and then he passed it on to his son in the faith, Timothy. We're going to see that in just a moment. Uh, and so uh, he, he, he quickly moved. In fact, look at Acts chapter 9 and look at this. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. How many of you know he's seriously passionate about persecuting Christians? And let me just say to you, let me pause to you. I'm reading between the lines a bit, but Paul was a very religious, devout man. But, and he thought, I believe he thought he was doing the will of God. He was, he was, uh, passionate, but he was, he was, uh, misinformed in, in his process. And, uh, so he thought he was doing the will of God, but he was, and persecuting the church. And then look over just a few verses later, verse 20. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues. I'm telling you, that's a transformation. He went from persecutor, everyone say persecutor, to preacher. That's a transformation that all of us need in our life. Supernatural. And so that's your suggested reading. I want you to just this week to read Acts and read this uh, and then 1 Thessalonians. Just get, just introduce yourself to this guy, Paul the Apostle. In fact, the last, his last letter, 2 Timothy is kind of bittersweet because in the close of his life, a man who loved God, loved the church, who had experienced great forgiveness in his life, he says, only Luke is with me. Demas has forsaken me. He felt somewhat all alone. And then he said, but the Lord stood with me. And everybody say, amen. Let me just stop and say, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. If you'll stand up for him, he'll stand up for you. He said, the Lord stood with me. And so here's a memory verse I want you to take. We're not going to look in Romans, but this is a great one. Paul said this, Romans 1, 16. He said, let's all read it out loud together. Here we go. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Romans 1, 16. Let's read it again together. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I would encourage you to uh, bring that to memory and just allow it to set up residence in your life and realize the reason you're born again is because not uh, just your choices, it's because of God's choices and the power of God that is made manifest in your life. When you heard the word of God, you heard the gospel and you received the gospel, you believed the gospel. What is the gospel? Jesus died on a cross. He came from heaven, lived a sinless life, died on a cross for our sins, paid the price with his blood. Somebody say amen. He bought you with his own blood. Somebody get happy this morning. That's the gospel. And three days later, he rose from the dead. Hallelujah. That's the gospel. And that's the power of the gospel. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of that gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. So you see, you're not born again or go to heaven by your good works. You're born again by believing 
what Jesus did for you on Calvary's cross. Amen. So let's look at Paul. Here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you today about how Paul responded to the revelation of Jesus in his life. And, and, and you know the story. He's there in Acts 9. He's on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians, right? And what happened to him? A light shone from heaven. Ta-da! Now, all those that were with him didn't see it, but they heard the voices. They heard voices. And out of that light, and Paul fell to the ground, Jesus began to speak to him. And he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, that's a powerful question. And then he said, in fact, Paul responded rightly. Let me, do, And that's the whole theme of today. When he had a revelation of Jesus... He responded rightly. Now, let me put it on pause. Everybody put it on pause. If you go back to Stephen being stoned, Stephen preached the gospel too, did he, did he not? But the people who heard him did not respond rightly. They closed their ears. They didn't want to hear it because it was powerful. And they rushed upon him and gnashed their teeth and drug him out of town and stoned him. Okay, you with me? But when Paul had a revelation in his heart, of Jesus. I want you to, I'm still on pause here. I want you to think about if you're a believer, where you were and what happened in your life when you had a revelation of Jesus and you realized he is the Lord and, and he, and, and I need him in my life. Can anybody go back to the time or place where, where G, you met Jesus and he found you in reality and you realize I'm lost and without Christ and I need a savior. Am I the only one here today that can take I can go back. I could take, we could get in a car today and I'd drive you to Red Oak, Texas and, and walk you into that little sanctuary there where I was sitting about halfway back where I realized I'm lost and without Christ. And I had a revelation of Jesus. Let me try again. How many of you can remember when you got born again? Come on now. There you go. Now you're catching it. And if you can't, then today you can. Amen. And so I want to look at some things that Paul, how he responded rightly. And, and this is what he did. When Jesus showed up in his life, when the light shone in his life, Paul, uh, Jesus said, Saul, Saul, he's later called Paul, why are you persecuting me? And, and, and Paul or Saul replied with two good questions. He said, who are you, Lord? Listen, until we understand who he is, we can never be able to serve him. He is the Lord. Who are you, Lord? And you know what Jesus said? I am Jesus. Now, then the light came on because he knew about Jesus. In fact, you know where he was when, when Stephen was being stoned and, and the light, and Stephen looked into heaven and he saw the Lord and he heard his, he had heard Stephen's message about the, 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 the just one speaking of Jesus. He heard the preaching about Jesus and he saw and was in hearty approval of Stephen being uh, stoned. And he heard Stephen say, I see him standing at the right hand. And he heard him say, Jesus, receive my soul spirit. And he had that in his brain, stamped it in his brain. And a few days later, all of a sudden, that same Jesus is speaking to him. Somebody say, Jesus. I'm telling you, he wants to reveal himself to us. And Paul or Saul at that time responded rightly. He asked two key questions that all of us need to answer in our life. Who are you, Lord? And number two, catch this. What do you want me to do? Now, this is a little different than most people. 
Most people, if they answer the first one and they figure out, gee, he's Jesus, he's the Savior, he's the Savior of my soul, and they understand, they get born again. Most people don't ask this second question. They don't say, Lord, what do you want from me? Or what do you want me to do? They say, Lord, what can you do for me? We got it all mixed up. Everybody go, that's all mixed up. So that's messed up. That's messed up. That's upside down. That's backwards. Paul the apostle or Saul at the time, he asked the right question. He responded rightly. He didn't say, okay, Jesus, what can you do for me? And, and let me tell you something. The culture we live in, they, we think it's all about us. It's not all about us. And if I stopped here today and we went home, this question ought to haunt us in a good way where we realize, Lord Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? In fact, everybody say, Jesus, just go ahead and close your eyes. Say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? That's powerful stuff right there. Amen. I think every day we wake up, we ought to say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Beverly and I have some friends, dear friends. They're in their nineties. It's, it's, it's brother Wayne and, and uh, Inez Beatles. Everybody say Wayne and Inez Beatles. Man, they're in their 90s. I'm telling you, they're fiery up people. They're, they're in, they're from Destiny Church. They're in their 90s. And they, they'll tell you this. You, in fact, she loves to talk. You tell her, tell me about how you wake up every morning. And she'll tell you a story. And she's, every morning I wake up. She's in her 90s now. And she'll say, Lord, what assignment do you have for me today? And what's she saying? What do you want me to do today for you? Somebody say amen. So he began in responding rightly to the revelation of Jesus by asking these two key questions that both of us, or really all of us, need to ask the Lord. If you've never given your life to Christ, you need to begin to answer that first one. Who are you, Lord, to me? And you know what he'll say to you? He said, I'm Jesus. We know Jesus is the one that died on the cross for us and paid a great price so we could could become his children. He rose again the third day. That's the good news. Somebody said that's good news. So with that in mind, I'm going to give you quickly from Acts 9. Are you in Acts 9? Look at your neighbor. If he has a Bible, they have a Bible. You look, make sure they're on Acts 9. If you didn't bring one, you look on with them. Acts chapter 9. I'm going to show you some things. I'm not going to read this entire uh, uh, passage of Scripture, but I'm going to show you seven things that I see in, in Paul's response in the days, the day he uh, uh, was smitten by the light until the day he moved into ministry uh, in, the, uh, in Acts chapter 9. I'm going to show you seven things he did that all of us need to do in, in order to respond rightly. Everyone say rightly to the revelation of Jesus in our life. The first one is this. Saul listened or he heard. Now, a lot of people hear, but they do not hear. Are you with me? In fact, Jesus would say this. He said this many times in his preaching. He said this. uh, He said, he who has an ear to hear, let him what? Hear. Now, there's a lot of people who hear. They have ears, but they cannot hear. In fact, the scripture in the Old Testament, there's a lot of places that it says they have ears to hear, but they cannot hear. They're spiritually deaf to the voice and the word and the will of God in their life. They've, they've shut their ears. In fact, I find it interesting what the accusers of, of Stephen did when he preached the most, the great, one of the greatest message recorded in the history of the New Testament, the history of the church and how it comes down to Jesus. It says, 
says they, they plugged their ears. Can you see this? They, they couldn't hear. They didn't want to hear. They stopped their ears. They had ears to hear, but they couldn't hear. But somehow, someway in this revelation of Jesus, Saul, who later became uh, known as Paul, he had ears to hear. And could I tell you today, if you've had a revelation of Jesus in your life, or if you need a revelation of Jesus, you need to hear the voice within the voice. And listen, you hear this old preacher talking to you today, but I'm telling you, God can speak even through a donkey. And if he can speak through a donkey, surely he can work through me for just a little bit. And he may be speaking to you today, and we've got to have ears to hear what he has to say to us. And because of Saul's sensitivity to the voice of God that day, in fact, he told him, you need to go. And then God spoke to Ananias. Ananias was a little apprehensive. But God spoke to him. They came together. And Saul began the transformation process into becoming Paul, the apostle of God. It was a transformation process that just took on a radical turn in his life. Let me just stop and say, there's a lot of us need. So many people think we can just gradually turn to him. Let me just tell you, that's, that's just hokey pokey right there. Listen, we're either all in or we're all out. Somebody said, well, I'm in the process. I may one of these days, some of these days, one of these days, I'll come to church every once in a while. I'll kind of do this. I'll do that. I'm not going all in. Listen, when you have a revelation of Jesus, I'm telling you, things start radically changing in your life. And if nothing's changing in your life, you may need to, you may need to spend a little time in the light. Get in his presence and let the transformation of God begin to take place in your life. Somebody lift your hand towards the preacher and say, Lord, help him. He'll never get done. In fact, we won't turn there, but Paul, at the close of his life, in the process of passing the baton on to his son in the faith, Timothy, he says this. You can look it up later. He said, Timothy, hold fast to the things that you have heard from me. He understood the importance of a hearing ear. And he wanted Timothy not only to hear, but to hang on to what he heard. The problem with most people, they might hear it, but they don't hang on to it. Then you ask them the next Sunday, hey, what did I preach last week? I don't know, preacher, but it was good. I know, yeah, yeah, if, if I gave you something to hang on to, you'd hang on to it, but I understand. We gotta hang on to it. And so Saul heard the word of God. It's time we open our ears to hear what he's saying to us. There's nothing wrong with God's mouth. He's still speaking to people. Are you with me? You say, well, I don't hear him speak. Maybe there's something clogged up. Maybe you're one that hasn't. Hey, cause listen, if you're here today, at, surely there's a way in. You know, I've got a little hearing problem. Could barely get an amen. She, she knows I got a hearing problem. And so you got, I got to really, I got to really work here to hear. And, but Beverly's got a talking problem. I'll never get done today. She'll go, Hey, Sam, would you please come over here? And I'll say, what? And then she thinks I can't hear. The problem is, but a lot of times God says, hey, 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 oh, I, and off we go. Oh, we talked to, hang on, Jesus. I know you're talking, but I got emails to answer. I got Facebook to deal with. Come on now. Paul heard 
or Saul heard. Number two, Saul followed. This is huge. Everybody say followed. Saul followed. In other words, after his revelation of Jesus, where he realized Jesus was speaking to him, and, and in fact, Jesus said this, uh, Saul, it's, it's real hard for you to kick against the goads. That means to resist and reject. I'm telling you, when you really have a revelation of Jesus, it's nearly impossible to resist. Some people do. But he says, it's hard for you to resist what's happening here today. And, and the Bible says he was smitten blind uh, and he had to be led into town. But he was willing. He began to follow. What did Jesus' first words to his first disciples even before uh, Saul ever was born again? What was his first words to his first disciples? He Did he say, go to Bible school and then come back and see me? No, he didn't say, go to preschool. No, he said, follow me. Listen, if you've had a, ooh, Jesus. If you've really had a revelation of Jesus, something on the inside of you says, I gotta follow this guy. He has the words of life. Are you with me? And he followed. Second Timothy three. Paul talks to Timothy and he says, you know, you've carefully followed my instruction. You're a good follower. And then down in verse 14, I think he said, now you just need to keep it up. You need to keep following. He's transferring these things that he did rightly, how he responded rightly after the revelation of Jesus. He heard the voice of God. He listened and he heard. And then he began to follow. And then in the close of his life, he got that message down. He says, Timothy, I know you've been following. You got to keep it up. You got to keep following me. I'm about to, I'm, I'm about to check out here and you better hang on to what you heard and you better keep listening and following and continuing in the things you've heard. Somebody say amen. Saul heard, Saul followed. I love this number three. I almost missed this because it was stuck in the middle. I kind of skipped over it. But here's the third thing Saul did, how he responded rightly to the revelation of Jesus. It says, it says this in verse 11. Look at verse 11. So the Lord, he's speaking. This is what God's speaking to Ananias. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called straight and inquire of the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. I love that. Woo! Hey, if heaven looked down at you, it was going to tell what you were up to to somebody else. You'd say, Lord, help me, Jesus. Don't, don't let him do that. Some of you'd be, go down to so-and-so's house. Go to their house. Knock on the door. For behold, they are watching TV. Hallelujah. Or behold, they're playing around on Facebook. Or behold, they are fighting and fussing with the kids. Or behold, you only need to stop that. Are you ready to go on? You're tired of that already. I could tell. What would the angels be able to tell your friends about what you're doing? I'm telling you, Paul, man, I'm telling you, this guy had a revelation of Jesus. Oh, and when you have a rep, when you really have a revelation of, of Jesus, you know what you're going to want to do? You're going to want to talk, talk to him. And the angel of heaven, the voice of God said, if you just go down there, he's praying. How many of you know heaven knows if we're praying or not? 
And what a great response to the revelation of Jesus. He's praying. And then when you study the life of Paul, I love, ooh, he was a praying machine. I'm telling you, this guy prayed. He was a very grateful fella. He realized he had been born again and saved from a devil's hell. He was a persecutor of the saints. And I love, when you go to his first book, I love this. You think about this, Paul. You know, when you, your first words, the first things he writes, he's been preaching a long time, but now he's writing his first letter and he's writing it to the church in Thessalonica that he loved so very much. And if you had time, you could go over there. He says, he says this in First Thessalonians 1, 2. He says basically this in his introduction. He says, man, we, we've just so excited to, to write to you and we have been praying for you. He's a man of prayer. God help somebody said, Lord help us. And I love what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy in his last letters. His first letter to Thessalonians, he said this. He said, Hey, in fact, I just want to, I kind of butchered that. I want to read that verse. Let me go over here to Thessalonians. I'll do it real quick. He says this, verse 2, chapter 1. We give thanks to God always for you, all, making mention of you in our prayers. That's the first thing he said to the Thessalonians on his first letter he ever wrote. We thank God for you, making mention for you always in our prayers. How many of you know he didn't just say that? Some of us say that. That's our Christianese. You know Christianese. Y'all speak Christianese? Would you pray? Man, I got these problems. You say, I'm praying for you, brother. You know what you were really saying? I'm tired of listening to you. I'm, I'm going to cut you off by just telling you I'm praying for you, but I ain't got no way on earth I'm planning on ever praying for you. I'm just saying that sounds spiritual. I don't think Paul did that. He said, we, we thank God for you. We make mention of you in our prayers. And then you fast forward to his last letters to his son in the faith who he's passing the baton on to. And he says this in 1 Timothy chapter 2. He says this uh, about to Timothy about the priority of God for his life. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, I exhort. Man, that's a big word. I encourage. First of all. Everybody say first of all. In other words, Timothy, let let me tell you something. I'm about about out of here, but i got to give you the priority of your life. First of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. The first priority he gave to Timothy, his son in the faith, was, man, you better heat it up at the place of prayer. And I'm sure Paul was saying in his mind and his heart, Lord, when you find Timothy, find him praying. When your friends come and knock on their, the door of Timothy, may it be that they found him praying. What a powerful thought. Saul heard, Saul followed, Saul prayed. And I love this one. And Saul received. Everyone say received. 
And so if you go back to Acts 9, they get down the road, they get to, to Saul's, uh, pardon me, to Ananias's house and, and, and Ananias ministers to him and tells him what the Lord has spoken to him. And it says this, oh, let's look in verse 17. And I, Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying hands, catch this, laying hands on him. He said, brother Saul, how many of you know he figured out that he was a born again believer? Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may come on somebody say receive receive he said i'm laying hands on you that you may what receive let let me just say to you if you're going to respond rightly to the revelation of jesus don't put your hands out like this say no i'm not ready to receive listen jesus is not going to slap it on you but if you'll open up your heart and say lord i want to receive all that you have for me He said, I came to lay hands on you that you may receive. Somebody say receive. And here's what he said. You may receive your sight and be filled with the spirit. And the Bible says that scales fell off of his eyes and he saw. Let me tell you something. That's a spiritual parable, if not a parable, but an illustration for us that, hey, when we have a revelation of Jesus, our eyes will open to the true nature of things. And he saw. And he received the whole, he received sight. He received the Holy Spirit. Listen, fast forward in the New Testament, and pardon me, in Acts, where the scripture says, go, I think it's Ephesians, I don't, to Ephesus, I'm not sure. And they said, go preach to them and make sure they've received the Holy Spirit. And they got there and said, we know Jesus. We've been, we, we understand the message of Jesus, but we never heard about the Holy Spirit. And they laid, laid hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit. Saul received the Holy Spirit. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He received his sight. He received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And it says he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. How many of you know baptism is a picture of receiving new life in Christ? He received a real freedom from the old Paul, the old Saul. And he was raised up to a new person. He was receptive. And then it says this in verse 19. So when he had received food, he got physical nourishment. How many of you know it's important to stay healthy? He hadn't eaten anything for three days. I'm telling you what, if you have a revelation of Jesus, it becomes more important than food. And he received nourishment and was strengthened. Somebody say strengthened. That's not just physically, that's spiritually. He received strength from God. Number four or five, whatever it is. He received his new family because it says this. And then Saul, verse 19, spent some days with the, with the disciples at Damascus. Man, he fell in love with a new family. And when from that point on, man, you read his writings, man, he loved the church. He loved people. I've met some folk and I'll try not to comment too much. They say they love Jesus, but they, they stiff armed the church. Listen, you can't love Jesus and stiff arm his bride. Are you with me? Oh, that church, they, it's full of hypocrites. Well, don't join it because you'll be part of them. You'll be one too. We're all sinners saved by grace. 
Saul received his sight. He received the spirit. He received his, his, his liberation from his past sins in his life through the waters of baptism buried with him by, that's what he told the Romans. We're buried with him by baptism unto death and raised to walk in newness of life. Hallelujah. He, he knew what he was talking about. He received strength and he received the family of faith in his life. Saul received. That's a message in and of itself. Saul received. And then here we go. Let me jump in. Then Saul fellowshiped. That's how he responded rightly. Number five, he fellowshiped. And we see that he spent some days with the disciples in Damascus. And, and let me just throw this in. And, and at the close of his life, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to speed through this part because I kind of hit it strong right there. Paul, at the close of his life, he, he wrote these last few words to Timothy and, and, and second Timothy chapter four, verse 19. He, there were some people, he said, you greet these people. Everybody say, greet these people. Now, if you're a Baptist, there's one way of greeting folk, right? Hello, brother Jim. How you doing? If you're Pentecostal, I don't know how you greet people. But this word greet doesn't mean shake hands with a neighbor and dare not look them in the eyes. It doesn't mean that. In fact, I know people, they're, a, they're, they're, they're afraid to come to church because they may have to shake somebody's hand. I'm serious. People are, I don't know what it is. They're nervous about people. Listen, listen, Paul plugged into the fellowship of the saints. And then at the close of his life, he tells Timothy, he said, let me tell you something about these folks. You better greet them. You know what that means? To embrace. Come here, Jim. Jim and I are friends. We, man, I love you, buddy. Bless you. Whoo. I'm about to make y'all hug somebody here. Somebody go, no, don't make me hug somebody. Well, we could go to Paul's instruction on greet the brothers with a holy kiss. You want to go down that road? What am I saying to you today? I'm telling you, fellowship is way beyond showing up every once in a while. It's a relationship. And Paul, he plugged into the family of faith, man. He, he fellowshiped with the saints. We're better together. Tell somebody we're better together. Here we go. I got three or four minutes. Give me a little grace. Here we go. Saul, how he responded to the revelation of Jesus. He fellowshiped. And number six, this is equally important. He preached. Verse 20 says, immediately. Somebody say immediately. Let me tell you something. When you get a revelation of Jesus, you don't have to wait to talk about him. Well, I don't, I don't know what to say. Oh, yes, you do. If you went to the mall today and you saw Jose Altuve walking around the mall and his Astros giddy up, you'd know exactly what to say. And especially if you walked up to him and said, Hey, Jose Altuve. Some of you who don't know anything about Astros, you don't know, you think I'm speaking in tongues. He's the second baseman for the Houston, the World Series Houston Astros. And if you ran into him today, Jose, I'd like to, and he came up to you and he said, well, hello there, Sam. How are you? I heard about you. Hey, you want to go to, to, to lunch with me? I, would you? Yes, I want to go. And you spent the day with Jose Altuve. Oh my God. OMG. We couldn't shut you up. 
You'd go to work the next day. You are not going to believe who I ran into at the mall. You are not going. And also, OMG, we went to lunch together. And now we are Twitter friends. We talk all the time. You would just tell all about it, would you not? Yet we think we, we, we say we belong to Jesus. I better stop on this point. And we have a revelation of him. And then we say, oh, I don't know what to say. I'll never talk to anybody about it. Listen, if you had a revelation of Jesus, you're going to say, Whoa, once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was blind, but now I see. One day I was on my way to hell. And today I'm on my way to heaven. Somebody shout amen, somebody. Come on now. I don't know what to say. It's a problem all sin. Not Paul the Apostle. Let me tell you what happened to me. And he preached the Christ. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. You're supposed to be. That means a proclaimer, a testifier. Fast forward to 2 Timothy chapter 4, last words. Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. He preached. And then number seven, verse 22. And this is the fruit of the fruit. He increased. Look at verse 22. But Saul increased all the more. Somebody say all the more. In strength, that's not physical strength. The Greek word is dunamu, or where we get the word dunamis, which is supernatural Holy Ghost power. He increased in supernatural power. That's the fruit of responding rightly. Listen to me. We, we tend to think we need to grab people and shake, rattle, and roll and slap them and say you need another dose of the Holy Ghost. And I think maybe that's valid in some circumstances and some situations. But if we will just begin to respond rightly and hear what he has to say and follow what he tells us to do and pray and receive all that he has for us and plug in and fellowship with the, with the saints and then share and preach the word of God. I promise you today, the increase of God. I'm not talking about monies and nickels and pennies and dollars and cents. I'm talking about supernatural power and fresh anointing from God will come upon your life and you will increase and not decrease. Whew. That's why in 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, he tells Timothy at the latter days of his life, let me tell you something, Timmy. Hey, Timmy. You remember when I laid hands on you? When you received the Holy Ghost? You need to stir it up. Anybody want to try to be a Pentecostal preacher? Come on, you got to get raspy. Come on, say, stir it up. Y'all pathetic Pentecostal preachers you are. He says, stir up the gift of God which is in you. That means to fan into flame. Let it burn brighter. Don't let it get dimmer. And some of you are singing it this way. He's been let him I'm going to let it just. 
It's getting dimmer. You got to respond rightly to the revelation of Jesus to the point that the power of God just begins to increase in our life. And I'm going to close, and I promise. Let me make this statement. Paul's right response to the revelation of Jesus immediately influenced others and ultimately impacted the world. Closing verse, verse 31 of chapter 9, then the churches. Now, this is kind of a capsulization of the born again and introduction into ministry and influence of Paul the apostle. This is a direct reference to his influence in the world and how things change not only in him, but around him when he embraced the revelation of Jesus in his life. Then the churches, in other words, after the conversion of Paul the apostle and his right response to the revelation of Jesus in his life and the, and the blessing and the power of God came upon him, then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. In other words, his influence was profound. With that in mind, and I'm going to close, here's today's life lesson. Let's read it together. Could we? In fact, let's stand up. We're about done. Let's stand up. And let's read this together. This is, there's a lot we can learn, but if we can get this, here we go. Responding rightly to the revelation of Jesus initiates a process of transformation that should immediately become evident to all who know us and ultimately impact the world around us and bring great blessing to the local church that God has given us. Read it again. Responding rightly to the revelation of Jesus initiates a process of transformation that should immediately become evident to all who know us and ultimately impact the world around us and bring great blessing to the local church God has given us. And all we have to do is respond rightly. Hear what He says. Follow what He tells us to do. Pray. Receive all that He has for us. Plug into the fellowship of the saints. Preach the gospel. Share the gospel. And guess what will happen? You'll increase and your transformation will continue and you'll begin to impact the world around you and become a great blessing to the local church that God has placed you in. And everybody said amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank You today for the life of Paul and how he influenced the world. Lord, I pray today that his life would be an inspiration and even a challenge to us to respond rightly and ask these questions, who are you, Lord? And what do you want me to do? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never given your life to Christ, what a great time. What a great opportunity right now. Just to say, Lord, I believe what you did for me on the cross. I thank you that you died for me. You paid for my sin with your own blood. You rose again so I could have a new life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you can say, Pastor, that's what I need in my life. I need to be what happened to Paul, born again. 
I need that transformation in my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you today, you can say, pray with me, Pastor. I want to invite Jesus into my life. I want to receive what he has for me to receive. I'm tired of resisting and kicking against the goads. As Jesus said to Paul, I want to open my heart to him. If anyone here, that's you, lift your hand wherever you are and say, that's me, Pastor. Pray with me. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to, amen. I see that hand. Somebody else. Somebody else. Just lift your hand and say, pray with me. Here we go. I want everyone to pray this prayer out loud with me. And if you lifted your hand, I want you to pray especially from your heart this prayer to God. I'm going to walk you into the presence of Jesus. You just got to believe that he died for you and that he rose again the third day so you could have new life. I want everyone to pray this out loud. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross, for paying for my sin with your blood. I believe you did that just for me. And I thank you that you not only died for me to pay for my sin, but you rose again so I could have a new life too. I believe that. And today I invite you into my heart to be the Lord and the leader of my life. I confess you as my Lord from this day forward. I will endeavor to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. If you prayed that prayer today out of sincerity, I want to say to you, welcome to the family of faith. And I want us to give those that prayed this prayer a great big clap offering. Tell them that we love you today. Amen.